Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. When a wave of achievement blesses a business or an athlete, how many are truly asking themselves if it was a direct result of them perfecting what is within their own control? Hang in there with me. This is just one aspect of the growth mindset that Logan Gelbrecht of Deuce impresses upon his coaches and entrepreneurs. A pearl of wisdom borrowed from his college baseball program emphasizes, we will not accept in success that which we would not accept in defeat. A student of his own philosophies on vulnerability, Logan is now author of the book, Going Right, a logical justification for pursuing your dreams, which is available for pre-sale on Amazon right now. As Logan tells us, nothing saddens him more than finding people who are absolutely crippled by fear. Taking risks should not be viewed as weird. Existing in an unfulfilling situation where development is stagnant, that is fucking weird. It's time to tuck that shirt in and step up to the plate, Papa G style. This is episode 299. Yeah. You Tex. What's happening with me? Beautiful day in Austin, Texas, and I'm excited. It's one of the most exciting times of year for fitness. Ah, very nice. Now, before we get on to fitness, I think we should really deep dive into that <clears throat> first thing you said. The weather? The weather out in Austin right now <laughs> is about uh, 64 degrees. In the shade, it's a little crisp, but once you get into that sun, ooh, it is a nice day. Be a great day for a hike. And uh, cloud cover is about 45%. I'd say humidity, low 60s. Uh, wind is out of the north northwest, and uh, you know this evening, grab yourself a sweater because it's going to drop down into the fifties and forties. So thanks for that, and that's all for today on Power Athlete Radio. Pause not. That's right, people. We're on the precipice of the competitive fitness season. Dun dun dun! And just like we have for the past, how many years have we didn't been doing this? Oh goodness gracious! It was pre. Terrain heroic. We did it as blog posts, and we were when we were globe trotting. Mm-hmm. Ooh, maybe fourteen. So we're on our fifth year. It sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Fifth year sounds right. Putting together well thought out, customized prep work, also called a warm up, to ensure that you are in the best position to perform at your maximal capacity. For the rhymes with boss fit kit groping, <laughs> oh, no. boss and groping. Oh, come Speaking on, dude. Of groping bosses. You'll notice that uh, John Wellborn, featured guest, is not here today. It's just myself and Tex, and we are going to be venturing into a just fucking like awesome discussion. But first, if you are on the precipice of your competitive season as a fitness athlete, and you are going to participate in the shenanigans that is called the Open. I love. I-, I loved it. I thought it was always fun when we were running Balboa to get the folks to to prepare for something, to show up, and have that competitive outlet. Uh, but it, 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 this is warm up series. I mean, as much as we want to paint it towards the competitive fitness athlete, mm-hmm. I'm writing it for the gym owner. Yeah, yeah. So that's who is in mind for this year. And, dude, I remember Luke and I a couple of years 
uh, go when we were on the seminar circuit, we would select Friday night lights in mm-hmm. a town and we would go and take over their warmups. And we uh, were amazed by the amount of people, 50 people. So we are really this year diving into specifically catering it towards the gym owner. So That's you right. can apply this on your Friday night lights or, or your Saturday mornings, whenever you decide to go into it. So it will be also for your rock stars. If you are a competitive athlete or you're a coach that has competitive athletes, give it to them, mm-hmm. apply it to them, but also man, run it play by play with your 30, 40, 50 general pop Friday night lights, have some good time. So no calves pop, mm-hmm. right? No shoulders get dislocated from competitive because they're going to try harder, which guess what? We harder need than to they've pre- ever trained. Harder than they've ever trained. The essence of competition, man. That is such a great line. Harder than they've ever trained. But we need to focus on putting them in a position to, one, succeed, best mm-hmm. of their abilities, but most importantly, not get hurt. That's right. Because it's a shame to have, even if they're going as hard as they can, even if it's for a competition, it's still not a green light to come out injured, man. And that that's true. That is a sad, sad deal i mean i can think of friends or who are athletes or gym owners you know some some sort of high rep deadlift comes up guess what happens low oh Mm. my you know hurt my back well you shouldn't you shouldn't right and and in the past couple years it was the single arm dumbbell snatch Mm -hmm. the lower back yeah lower back with rotation people got torched but it's because you're not prepping right and that's the whole essence of this and it's you know it's a very simple approach but oddly enough it's just not it's not followed. And man, we have a free warm-up course out there that gives you the nuts and bolts. But if you just want to be told what to do, it's 20 bucks. We're going to give you the five warm-ups that are tailor-made to the events included in that program. Is that like four bucks a warm-up? Yeah. Included in that program. That's some very impressive math for a guy like you. Included I did in that it on program. My fingers. If you're interested in just dabbling. And what's going on with the Johnny football cycles that's been pushed out. Those side, we're going to give you a couple samples. How many, how many Johnny Tw- football? 12. So the first 12 of the original 100 are going to be are in. part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then are we going to give them another, like a week after the, the uh, open? I gave them two extra two weeks, 12 workouts. So two oh, okay. extra days. Gotcha. Gotcha. Maybe, yeah. Fuck it, man. Maybe we would give them more. Yeah. Just give them a week or two. Okay. As just total tossed in, uh, enjoy people. If you want to get on board with these open warm-ups, the something-something open warm-ups. Boss Gropen. <laughs> Is I, that not good? I don't know. I was just trying to string along two or three things like um, Nature Boy, but I fucking stopped oh, at yeah. Boss Gropen. Uh, <laughs> Hair raisin. Hair raisin. Chili hotten. Yeah. Uh, powerathletehq.com slash open. O-P-E-N, powerathletehq.com slash open. And let Mr. McCook in here get your chili hot. Let him get your gym members chili hot. Let him, let him help you achieve pinnacle performance when it matters most on game day. We should have a, like a jingle on that. Enough about that shenanigans. Let's talk about what we're about to get down with here, people. Who do we have on today? Okay, let me Our look at the old list. Old friend. Pal. Old pal. Big the, big fan of cats. The king of social media in the virtual flesh. Today, we have Logan Gelbert. He is the, uh, I guess, head honcho at Deuce Gym. Mm-hmm. He's running around doing his coach's prep summit. 
he's running around doing the strongman circuit still with the strongman, uh, CrossFit strongman. He's all over the place, man. And as always, it's a super fun time to chat with this dude. Um, very well thought out approach to how to build a team and how to lead. And, you know, the big fallacy with even that term, right? Leader is this most, this adaptive approach requires you to kind of humble yourself and come down off the pedestal where people identify leaders as people who are at the top, right? Looking down off of their ivory tower. But as Logan gets into his kind of adaptive leadership, you have to open open up, be vulnerable, and be ready to hear some feedback from people that may be uh, subordinate to you, right? Or lateral to you. And it's pretty fascinating stuff. So I always, I think it's funny that that's, or I guess it's not a shocker that in this industry that tends to be a uh, a barrier for gym owners or head coaches or whatever, right? A lot of, when you're banging weights and slanging weights around and fucking getting jacked, there's a lot of ego that can go into that. So eh, nonetheless, what the fuck? I truly don't know anything about it. So why don't we learn about it? Tex, are you game? Am I game? Yeah. Are you ready, ready to rock? to learn. All right, let's do it. Let's get on the horn. Logan Gelbert, people from Deuce Gym. What do we got in the uh, Tower Athlete HQ dungeon of uh, patriotic recording there? What's so happening? For the listeners, what Logan's referring to is the backdrop here because we're on video chat, just pal chat, video pal chat. And what Tex is presenting as if he were a Harry Vanna White. I, I was going to say the wind. I'm, I'm if, if he were, he's waving in the wind, is a cedar plank wall adorned with a four foot by three and a half foot painting or mural of uh, Impressionist American flag that uh, the big guy wanted up there. So this is, this room is a work in progress, Logan, and what that wall will eventually be, I don't know if you can see over, it would be in the right side of your screen, text please, gesture, are a series of photos and frames that will be the start of like a mural, kind of a cool picture wall. Probably not as hip as, you know, what you've wow. got organized here in the backdrop of your studio. Oh um, my goodness, look at this. Yeah, uh-huh. you're right. But that hey, it's is, something, uh, man. Well, can I... Oh, wow. You do got a hip room going on. But I'll tell you what you don't have. What do you got? That time that The Rock tweeted power athletes. So that is a screen grab, (laughs) framed screen grab. What's the date on that text? It is July 11th, 2014. And And the tweet is from who? The Rock. No, can you say the actual, can you spell it? Oh, Dwayne. No, no, no. What's the actual Twitter handle? For The Rock? Yeah. At The Rock. For the listeners, just in case. Dwayne Johnson, check mark. Uh-huh. I don't know what that check is, but we got it on screen grab. And it tweeted, at me and Tex. What did he say, Tex? Get it. Hey, Two oh. exclamation points. And I remember the day. Do you really? Oh, wow. Yeah, you do not need to tell me twice. I well, remember let, the day. You want to know the story? We were yeah, much like you. Let's tell them the story. We were on the road to, we were in Argentina. We were in Argentina, Buenos Aires. And we were in the middle of a bulk. And on the flight down there, like, you know, on the <laughs> Hold flight. Hold on, you were in the middle of a what? Bulk. A you bulk. Know, the bulk. Isn't that just like... Another like, is there another kind of way to do it? Like, are uh, you guys ever on? Are you guys ever on a like a cut? Uh, yes. You, yeah, you could be. We tinker with Get it. On but, a cut? 
But the we bulk is getting as strong and big as fast as you can at, at any fucking at any and all costs, which we I paid well, dearly for. Any and all costs is correct. But uh, so as soon as we as soon as we jumped on the flight, boom, mm. tap on the TV on the back of the head rest on the airplane. And yep. like the first fucking four movies are all rock movies. So Classic. tag them on that, obviously. And then as soon as we get into Argentina, we go do some Jack Street work, which... And it, oh, man. We were doing it, some... Maybe inc- 18 hours? Yeah, incline dumbbell bench with the heaviest dumbbells we can find in Argentina. What, the 70s. Take the 130s for a ride or what? No, they were 70s. They were 70 Heaviest we could find. <laughs> Um, and uh, and we're doing incline lay- laying on a like a, a tire. tire, and just said, "Oh, good on you." Hey, The Rock, are we doing it right? And obviously, you know, uh, what did he say? We, I can't we, recall. No, we we told the story because we told him like eighteen hour Rock movie binge. We'd actually we should find the tweet that we tweeted at The Rock for him to respond to us. Uh, that'll take a little detective work, but um, oh. Luke is oh, that's it. Dude, I remember I, I wasn't kidding. I remember the day. Uh, I, I'm generally aware of. Oh, we, we were like, no excuses. Something really rocky. And then uh, then he got us. Can you guys be honest with me right now? 100%. How how many tweet efforts were you in lifetime at that point to get a response? Is it north of? Like, is it north of 30 and a half? That's the, the line. 30 Maybe. and a half. Well, it's a good question. Luke has been sending mail, yeah, fan I d- mail. I DM him and snail mail. Oh, him. my you God. Know, the, his birthday's pictures. on my cal- calendar. Uh, you know, there's just a lot going on with me and The Rock right like now. Like a sweaty shirt. You just uh-huh. sent, like, hey. Yeah, a lot going on with Luke and The Rock, <laughs> but The Rock doesn't know about he doesn't it. Smell right. what the Rock, he doesn't smell what I'm cooking. You get it? Are you guys it fucking was like get it? a re- return envelope, prepaid postage inside, make it real easy for him. Hey, listen, enough about you. You don't fucking run this podcast, man. This is our right, podcast. We'll you don't up. get to ask we'll questions. Put me in line. Do you ready, have any ready. questions? Okay, first question. Do you have any questions for us? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have uh, not well, chatted man. in a while, my friend. It's been a minute. Is this the, the annual check in? I guess so. So, okay, so you're out. So everybody knows you're jet lagged. You're not as typically as like insightful and interesting as you usually are because of your fatigue and you slept in, but that's not enough. But you're down in Sydney, touring Sydney and Australia. What are you doing down there? Sydney and Australia. Yeah, I was there, uh, Sydney and then Auckland as well, teaching the Hold the Standard Summit. So that was the first time going back to back weekends, really pushing the, uh, the introversion scale and we're coming out on the other side feeling fresh feeling inspired a little sleepy but uh yeah it was good man um this is uh and i don't know if we've talked about it before but it's just uh, the two-day course for entrepreneurs and leaders talking about how people work together basically how to structure uh an organization how to build teams and um you know Deuce happens to be like a, a case study to provide context, but the, the content of the, the seminar sort of transcends fitness, um, you know, in any specific way. So that, that's kind of cool. It's a, it's a cool thing to see folks show up and, you know, get their, uh, their faces melted a bit. You know what I mean? 
It's fun. For sure. I would, you know, it's, as is tradition, I tend, you know, do a little creeping on, on my pal through yeah. social media. I saw you were at, uh, were you at CrossFit Creature? Yeah, I was at Creature uh, and then CrossFit New Zealand. Okay. Oh, awesome. nice. It was an awesome, uh, awesome experience. Both in uh, Sydney, I had been there before specifically for the summit and then also this like panel thing. So kind of well acquainted there. And then mm-hmm. I, I've known um, Darren uh, at CrossFit New Zealand for, we were, we were talking about it almost 10 years and we've seen each other, you know, once in the span of, or one other time across the span of those like nine years, 10 years. And uh, it was awesome catching up. That's cool. Yeah, man. I was in, Outside of the travel, because I don't know how you do on airplanes, man. I, I was just talking to one of the dudes at Train Heroic. He's a big dude. Like he's DJ's maybe six foot, six foot plus, 270, 280 pounds. He's like, dude, I sit in a fucking airplane seat and I might as well be like a baby in a crib. He just sleeps like a fucking so comfortably. And that couldn't be further from the truth for me. It's a coin toss for me. I was just talking to uh, the the folks at the gym yesterday when I got back. Oh, cause Melanie who mm-hmm. is working with us uh, now and yeah, she, she was over at the symposium with y'all. Uh, she just flew in from um, Singapore and she had like a rough go, you know, 18 hours, the whole thing. And for me, it's a coin toss one. I'm either knocked out before that plane takes off and I couldn't be more comfortable. Or then there's the other option where you're, you're just so like, icky uncomfortable like everything's annoying like i was saying like you know maybe the, the seat kind of like pulls up your shirt a little bit in the back and then just that like airplane wind is like getting to your your bare in your bare uh you know lumbar area and then that's just ugh, and then you kind of like ugh, and you bring that down and the other side comes up and then we're just doing math for 14 hours that's a bad look you know and, dude like yeah. climate zones get all fucked up like your right side is a little too hot and your left side's too cold and shit's just, and right. you know, believe me, I am consistently on the maximal discomfort scale. Like everything just makes me uncomfortable. Man. Yeah. John and I had a trip recently and I forgot, I forgot how challenging it was to just aim to zone out or zone in to something. So mm-hmm. you forget about your surroundings, but yeah. okay. so let's talk, let's talk about the, it looks like a year ago, it was one year ago, Feb 2 was the last time we chatted. Episode 244. Wow. So what, so in, in terms of the hold, hold the standard, so I think you had just come off of one maybe a couple weeks or, or months prior to that. Has this, so has, has this clinic and course evolved? Now yeah, for sure. You've got you a few know, reps? Yeah, and it's, uh, I'm really excited about it because it's sort of pushing my edge a little bit, but it's so funny because this course, and I sort of try to provide some context, but I explained that, uh, you know, we're sort of doing it by accident. I was really peer pressured into doing this in the first place um, because I got, you know, uh, uh, an email and a couple DMs from um, a now friend, but then it was just like a, a gym owner in Spain uh, who was like, hey, uh, you're, you're doing good work. Uh, how do I learn how to do the thing? And I was like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but I guess you could come out here and we can 
meet a bunch, but I don't really know what to tell you. And uh, he's like, well, you're an idiot. Uh, you should have a way to share this with people. And so he was like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to fly out to, to Spain to do this thing. And we're going to put together a course for gym owners to sort of get what I'm looking for kind of thing. And of course I'm like wrapping up several much longer conversations into like one sentence, but uh, he really pushed me into doing the summit. And then we didn't really know what it was. And so he gave me a flask on our last summit together in London. And uh, it has all the cities that we've done and, and the dates, but on the back is like a tribute to what it was. It says something like uh, Atlas stones, tapas and sangria, because we thought this thing was going to be like this, like, cultural immersion you know you're in this like you know small town in spain soaking it up like having some fun hearing about some business stuff and that was so dumb because we got there and the people were like yeah we could give two shits about where we're eating tonight like let's just get into it so the uh the course has evolved and essentially it's turned into uh, a way for people that are connected to me in some way, you know, mostly fitness oriented people to hear some pretty high level developmental insights. Uh, you know, a lot of that conversation is supported by a lot of the things that you guys hear from Dr. Miller. Um, and, you know, it, it, it checks the box of like the technical things that we're doing at Deuce, but I also get to convince them that, Hey, that's not the reason why you're not successful. There's way too many examples of people doing things the exact opposite of us um, that are having success. What it comes down to are these bigger principles and uh, understanding like really adaptive leadership. And so, yeah, it's a cool excuse to expose people to things that they're not really going to get exposed to because we live in a culture where uh, people just accumulate technical information and think that that is going to be the sort of the, the, the answer to their, their bigger, more troubling problems, you know? So these are some familiar topics. You came out to our March block one test in 2018 and you spoke yeah. on leadership to our group of block one coaches. And you mentioned your presentation was called becoming a developmental machine and one of the first things you got into was technical versus adaptive leadership. Anyway, yeah. you can break that down right now for our listeners so they can start to understand what those two are. Yeah. So that stems from, this is all uh, a guy by the name of Ron Heifetz, uh, the Harvard guy who sort of broke down two different types of challenges. You know, if you could just like, make a new framework in your mind that if all of your challenges could fit into two different boxes, um, it would sound like this. One box is uh, full of technical challenges, meaning the solution to them, the answer is uh, inside of information, right? There, there are known answers to these types of problems. So, you know, you can think of a million things that would fall into this category. If you, you know, you know, broke your ankle, that's a big problem, but it's a technical one. There's a subject matter expert with a solution to that. Uh, you know, if you needed a way to keep track of your 
members credit card payments and you, you couldn't really do that on your own then that's a technical challenge that can be solved by some some experts that uh, maybe mind body or you know wattify one of these things and so uh um, i need to be careful to not like downplay technical challenges because they are real and they can have massive consequences you know even like life or death or or the the, the ability for your business to continue. Uh, however, if you don't understand that there are also some challenges that are adaptive in nature, meaning there, there isn't an answer, you know, you can't Google it. No one with a PhD can tell you the answer or solve it. Uh, these types of challenges require new learning or, or evolution or adaptation. That's where the, the name comes from. And this sort of means that in order to solve these types of problems, the, the person with the problem or the, the entity with the problem would need to become a bigger, better, more capable version of itself. And uh, we really get into trouble as problem-solving creatures when we try to solve these adaptive-type problems with technical solutions. And the example I use very often, I think makes this most clear in people's minds is like, uh, you know, when a seemingly technical problem can become adaptive and a common one that we all deal with is, is weight loss. Okay. So if you have a student who needs to lose 20 pounds, uh, you know, if you just give them the the nutritional approach or the, the sort of macro template or, or the diet, whatever the strategy is, if you just give them that information and over, you know, of course, in a certain amount of time, they lose 20 pounds. That was a technical problem for them. Uh, except we all know how many folks have the answers, but cannot lose the weight kind of thing. And, and this is now showing us that, well, there's something else there. There's, this is an adaptive challenge. So, you know, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, uh, you know, so let's say as business owners or leaders or coaches or athletes, the things that are really tripping us up most are things that are, we're going, they're going to require adaptation. And, uh, you know, they're, they're things that are hard to put your thumb on, like, ah, oh, man, I, I just really struggle with follow through or, you know, procrastination is my thing. I, I can't really uh, make the first step. And these problems, like, riddled people's lives you know people are completely derailed by these kinds of things and they think that they're one book away from solving this thing or that they're just one seminar away from from cracking the code and that's that's not the case so what's the what's the case bro well if you're uh dealing with sort of uh, an adaptive challenge what you need is adaptive leadership you need some sort of strategy to evolve yourself and and if you remember back to when i spoke to to your group uh what i was trying to do in a very short amount of time was connect the dots with a bunch of meaningful frameworks from you know deliberate practice and um you know um high level cultures and teams and what the common thread was there and the common thread through and through. And this is also what is critical to adaptive change is your ability to seek disconfirming information. 
right? Because if you get information that tells you what you already know to be true, uh, congratulations, you are still then true and the same as who you are. And so um, we can sort of seek out and build in sort of frameworks or get certain feedback to challenge our assumptions and break those frames for an opportunity of growth. Uh, and so, uh, you know, depending on what the challenge is, there's specific tools to do that. But the sort of overlying principle here is you need to find information that's going to challenge your beliefs and your perspective if you want to grow those perspectives. And I think what's hard with that is obviously a that shit stings and b for it to be meaningful you have to have man what i've been calling i guess for the past couple of months like an emotional equity right i got a buddy out here he's the, he is they are the guy who maybe challenge like they have the nuts and bolts and the technical aptitude and understanding of how to lose weight however guess what's not happening right but That's as true. you as you start to approach an individual on something like that, some disconfirming information, if you haven't taken the time to build up that equity or goodwill in the relationship, then it's not going to be well-received. Is is that true? Or is, am I off on that? Yeah. So um, the, the thought is this, and this is actually at the heart of, I wrote this whole uh, ebook thing on culture, like trying to distill down what is this culture thing. And specifically in there, what we sort of uncover is that the the best cultures in the world do certain things. They they share information. They're they're highly able to get to the truth and they're able to accomplish all these things, including mastery. But the the two ingredients required for that are the same two ingredients that really um, support adaptive change, which high level cultures do. And one is willingness. Okay. So like, if you are, if you two are like gonna adaptive leader me to death right now, like, Hey, we're going to change you up, buddy. And I'm like, no, you're fucking not. Yep. If I'm not one. Will, right. Yeah. If I'm not willing to do the thing, uh, the thing will not happen. There's also the other part, which is what you're getting at now. This is ingredient number two is is trust and the amount of trust in the system between us will sort of inform how willing we are to operate at the edge mm -hmm. right and if there isn't trust in the system then what happens I, I sort of hedge my uh trust with you by hanging out in my comfort zone a little bit i don't really look in the areas that i know are going to be risky for me interpersonally same thing for you and so that we never really operate in that that place and, uh, you know, high level teams and high level people have enough trust in the system to, to go for it, to, to, to speak and use the best information possible, which is the truth to drive this kind of adaptation. Yeah. So then in the, as you go into these workshops or cohorts, I mean, how many folks are sitting in on your, on the summit, these, like down in, uh, at Creature? We, we had, uh, 22, and 21 respectively there. Yeah. So then are they just sitting there and you are their fucking shaman and you're the one providing them that, that sounding board? Well, uh, as they come, like come to Jesus <laughs> a, a little bit, but here's how it works is, is, uh, I need to, to give them the context that I just gave you. Hey, 
guess what? There's these two types of challenges. Chances are you didn't know that coming in. You thought you were just going to get the, you know, the Excel sheets and how to run the memberships and like how to do a coaches prep in your gym. And then you're going to go to back Monday morning and just plug and play and rock out. And what I'm telling you is yes, you will get that. And that's not your problem. Right. And so framing that up allows us to, to go there. Now, the, the sort of the cool thing, uh, maybe it's the good news or, or the bad news, depending on how you look at it, is the weekend ends up being this mirror. Uh, because what I hear from people in this seminar who, you know, it's mostly full of business owners and sort of like the head honcho, so to speak, you know, the head gal or the head guy in charge. And generally speaking, you know, whether they say this out loud or they're thinking it, uh, they come there because they're awesome and they want to go back and make their team who can't quite get on board more awesome. And what they don't realize is they're not awesome. They are in the way. And, okay. And, uh, and so the whole weekend becomes this, this mirror and it's less about, again, the framework I just described to you, if I was like this Messiah, like, Oh my gosh, let's just listen to this guy. And then he's going to give us the answers. That is a, the type of followership mentality that is leaning on technical leadership. Right. And so it, the mirror thing is real. It's sort of like, you know, or like maybe the, the meatheads can think about it as like a, an, an air dime or like a, a sled. It's like, the harder you push into this thing, the harder it's going to push back. And you can cruise. You can just sit in your chair and listen uh, and really kind of resist. But if you're willing to, to go for it, you're going to be forced to look at your yourself. And so basically I give them some, some tools to sort this shit out in their own head. You know, uh, it's, less, it's less top down in that way. Man, it's, that's got, it's, I can imagine my perception of what I recall the gym owner to be, because we got to run through a lot of them on our days on the road, right? And there's a spectrum, but there's also a, I guess, the noisy majority who, who tend not to be very vulnerable people, right? Oh, for sure. And coming in, it, uh, it's just got to be fucking exhausting for you if you have one of those individuals in this particular fucking course, because you, you probably, much like Tex, myself, Callie, and John, as we were on the road, what ended up happening is like, we wanted, we almost wanted it more than they wanted it for them. Does that make sense? And I feel like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know, are you, are you in that lane or have, do you have a, a toolkit to, I guess, circumvent that emotional drain when you run into those folks? Well, you, you both are coaches and, and you teach seminars. I mean, any coach listening can empathize with that on some level. It's, it's a really painful lesson to learn as a coach when you realize that you cannot want something for someone else, you know? And so uh, the way I look at it, and currently it's the sort of highest kind of developmental view I've been able to take on it is this sort of, holding two opposing truths simultaneously, which is one, I am not responsible for these people. Uh, none of the people that you coach, you, you are not responsible for, for um, them, their beliefs, how much they do or don't buy into your thing. You're you not responsible. Uh, and so relinquishing that like ultimate 
responsibility is like step one. Now, the other thing is that cannot be your only guide. That can't be a cop out, right? Because if I just hold on to that, then I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing my thing. If they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. I think you guys would empathize as well. The reason why you feel this, you know, almost like compulsive responsibility to want this for them is you you're interested in getting outcomes results as a quality coach. And so, yeah, on one hand it is, uh, you know, I'm not ultimately responsible, but on the other hand, it's, I need to look at every single thing in my control to, to find out how I can be better for these people to get those positive outcomes because I can't relinquish all of my responsibility on this course or what I'm teaching in any lane, really. Um, what generally happens is, uh, you know, if you want something from other people, you need to sort of give it yourself. And so if I'm going to re request and, and hope for a certain level of vulnerability from them, uh, then it would help my case a great deal if I demonstrate that type of vulnerability uh, in their direction. And so, uh, quite often we sort of start by setting that stage and creating a space in a very short amount of time for people to, to speak up. And, and this is a weird human nature thing that I observe. I'm sure you guys have observed it, whether you've called it out or not is human beings can get in a group and all be in agreement about what their desires are or what they want to happen. You know, I, I say this often in the, the movement seminars, like the strongman seminars I would teach is like every single person got in their car and came to this place wanting to have a good time, learn some things. So like have a great experience, soak up the information, et cetera. Now, how often do people show up to that thing with those intentions in a group of people who also have those intentions and then forget to get what they came for. And then they drive away being like, Oh, I wish it was this. And, and, you know, I, I, I give this classic example of like the dinner party. You ever go to a dinner party with like a bunch of acquaintances, every single person showed up to that place being like, man, I hope tonight's fun. Like this, this would be sweet if we could just like break through that thing, have a good time, whatever. And then it's just awkward at dinner because no one wants to be that guy or that girl. And then you're sort of awkwardly cutting your steak and you leave bummed out. And, and all of those people are driving away being like, damn, I wish that was better. And so it takes like calling it out, you know, like, Hey, we're here doing the thing. We all want this thing and vulnerably like opening the floodgates for people and almost like giving them permission uh, sometimes to like enact that, that deal because the, the group dynamic is so bizarre where we will, all be in agreement and, and, and no one will take that sort of first step. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm usually up there sort of trying to, to lead the vulnerability charge. And um, there's also a cultural thing. Some, some parts of the world are just generally uh, more or less uh, at a macro level willing to, you know, share. Like I, I've taught in some countries where, you know, asking questions that sound like you're questioning authority are not cool. And so there's just generally less interaction. And so it's sort of a, 
it's a full-time job trying to drive that that vulnerability part fucking italians <laughs> am i wrong am i wrong I <laughs> well, listen italian listeners hey you can learn a lot from the godfather no i'm not talking about the godfather i'm talking about unruly italian seminar attendees unruly. oh well yeah i taught a seminar in italy ah oh, man it it was interesting experience. I'm just kidding, Italians. We love you. We love you. We love your uh, ice, your shaved ice. Um, we love your shoes. So, Logan, I'm having some flashbacks, man. I, got, I had a master's in health behavior change, and I guess reviewing your lecture prior to this and then flashing back to some models, one of my favorites was it's called the precede-proceed model, and there's a lot in terms of changing a group dynamic and phase one is a social diagnosis so we want to begin with like the goal and the behavior and the mm -hmm. actions that an individual is taking observing the culture where you know typical standard approach a coach goes in or an athlete comes to them with a specific goal they want to focus on the goal and maybe a step or two to change that or put them in a position to accomplish it but this model suggests beginning with their social environment, right? Their, their family construct, their support network, who's going to, you know, put them in a position to succeed or not succeed with that. So I find your observations, you know, it, it's not it's not too uncommon, man. There's a lot of people that also view that as well, especially when we come to f destroying and fighting mediocrity out there. It is who you surround yourself with. Totally. And well, you know, the, the idea of destroying mediocrity just in that sort of motto is, uh, an act of edginess, right? It, it, by nature, it doesn't come with being reserved or, or, uh, protected or hedging your vulnerability, right? And that can be physical, that can be interpersonal, right? And so, if we're going to sort of venture out to the fringes, it helps to sort of like get a lay of the land of like, well, how can I empower a group of people or a person to be willing to, you know, sort of trust this process and, and, and work that, that way. And so, um, people need, uh, almost like enough support, uh, in their efforts to be vulnerable in order to do it. Right. It's sort of like, if you if you were going to uh, unrack 500 pounds for a squat and didn't have like a strategy like a spotter or a way to bail or whatever you wouldn't really be able to unload all of your potential in that that effort you'd be immediately hedging for your own safety and the, the risk of participating in in the work can't be so great that you're gonna it, the results could be catastrophic you know and and, and that sort of example is very visual and like a physical way, but you can imagine that if your entire reputation was at stake or your relationships were at stake based on what you did or said, then you wouldn't do or say anything to, to, to risk that, you know? And so if you can cultivate, um, you know, an environment where those, of course, it's still going to be risky and, and edgy, but if, if we can hedge against the sort of, you know, the big, failures and outcomes, then people will be more willing to, to go there. You know, like at, at Deuce, for example, this is in our language to, to create environments where, Hey, make no mistake. 
we all have weaknesses. So we're going to talk about them rather than pretend that we don't have them. We're all going to fail myself included a ton. How much time do you got? I can give you a ton of examples. So rather than pretend that that's not going to happen, we're going to dive into the fact that like, we're going to use this as our, our secret weapon. And this is a safe place to fail. What it's not a place to do is a place to fail and not make uh, significant adjustments and strides from there. Like that's the distinction. And if you can get a culture that like truly believes that, then yeah, like you can imagine all the things that you'd be willing to try or willing to, to dare to do uh, because you know that you're, you know, your job is in at stake. You're not going to be shamed or whatever the case may be. Uh, we're going to like steal or extract all the, the positive adaptation possible from that. But you need an environment where people are prepared. And I guess you got to ease into it to be called out for failing. Yeah. And that, I mean, this is the trust and willingness in the system kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, specifically we have uh, an aggressive, appropriately aggressive rite of passage to develop and filter for these things. Um, there, there's a reason why we can have certain conversations on our staff that we can't have with members, right? Like as much as we talk about negative feedback, that's not how you speak to someone who you've met for, you know, uh, one month ago and they're paying you $250 a month to train. You're not like, just going down the, the laundry list of what they're brutal at, we need to build uh, an appropriate level of trust in the system. But if you're going to work for our organization, if you're going to be one of the very few that get to you know call themselves a leader in this organization, by the time you arrived at that role or this, this task, we've gone through a certain rite of passage that makes it very clear that I can trust you and you can trust me at asymmetrical levels, that your willingness is incredible and that is a mutual willingness that we see in each other and that just sort of tees it up like what i'm not talking about is like that we read a book on like how the best teams and cultures work together and then you just get a random group of six people together that don't have any of these these elements of trust or willingness and you just start like uh, emulating that's not how that works you can't skip steps in that way so you're out there beating the streets what is what is the what is your perception of the current limitations of the gym owner? Right? Whether that be, you know, wherever you want to take it, technical or adaptive, is there like a common thread universally or uh is it is it heavily varied? Uh sure that of course there's common threads. So uh we talk a lot about really being a process oriented culture. And because most in the sort of micro gym scene, most owners are um, successful enough or, or compelling enough or knowledgeable enough to be in leadership for their thing. Uh, there's this sort of ego override where they build something that works at a current level. It's just going to take 90 hours a week. Uh, scarcity mentality, uh, insane amounts of overbearing control. And if they just hold on to that, it'll, it'll work right up until it doesn't right up until it grows to uh, a little bit too big for their britches or that they want to expand or that they want to scale or, or that they want to, to be better. And, um, and so it sort of takes 
one, the forethought of like building something bigger than yourself, right? I mean, this is the mentality I hear. I want people to want this as much as I do, but because I have my name on the lease, they're just never going to get it. And it's this defeatist sort of mentality. Well, uh, they've done literally nothing to build an organization that would include people who uh, salute the flag the way that they salute the flag. And this is just a, a, a failure in, in, in scope and building something bigger than themselves. Um, and then the thing that I mentioned prior is this idea of result orientation. You know, uh, the best teams in the world are process orientation because ultimately it's, it's self-selecting. That's how you get the best results. And there are a lot of people who opened a functional fitness oriented gym in the last 10 years that got a lot of uh, result oriented success, whether it's members or money or validation in that way, but never forced themselves to look at their processes, right? They're getting results, whether or not they're actually mastering their their process what is inside of their control and then it's not until they get poor results that they're going to look at those things and that's then too late right you you can be successful sort of by accident by means outside of yourself right if you open a crossfit gym in a major city between 2010 and 2013 you you probably accidentally were successful regardless of what you, you were doing okay and now sort of what we're seeing is that people who are highly interested in this sort of process orientation are going to kind of like divorce themselves from the results and they can have success, right? A lot of members, a lot of, you know, financial reward or whatever, but still be wondering about how the process and what's inside of their control is, is being executed. Uh, I, I give this example that um, was uh, you know, drilled into my head in the greatest American sport of all time, baseball, uh, you know, is Talking that saber metrics <laughs> batting averages? Well, it's funny you bring up batting average, right? The, the statistics that we care about in baseball are the ones that go inside of like the newspaper are not really the statistics that it pays to, to orient yourself with as a player because of the, the number of things that are outside of your control. So, so uh, to use your example right there, batting average. Batting average is about getting hits, right? Now, it's possible to get a hit with a poor approach and hit a, a 3,000 hopper between the third baseman and the shortstop on a bad pitch and roll over and look like hell and, and you know, be out till 2 in the morning the night before. Uh, the, the scorecard uh, will will show that as a positive result. Uh, the scorecard will also sh show a great approach and a great swing on a great pitch and a line out to the track as an out. And that result is negative, right? But if, if you're a amateur with you know, a result orientation, you get to first on that sort of rollover 3000 hopper, uh, congratulating yourself. You're evaluating that effort as a positive one. And if you're an amateur, you line out to the track and you are upset, right? But the savage professional hitter uh, views it the opposite, right? You line out to the track and there's 30 guys waiting for you at the top step to dap it up. And you know that even though you're 0 for 1, the way you're evaluating that honestly in your head is you're pumped. Because if I do more of this, I'll be okay. 
the, the, the professional also hits that, you know, that, that ass out, you know, ground ball on a bad pitch, uh, base hit first base and they're upset. Right. And that, that sort of is a very specific example of process orientation versus result orientation. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, owners out there in this gym space that have never really considered that their processes are, are, um, unsatisfactory and they've never had to look at those processes because business is working, right? They got 300 members. They're good. Yeah. In spite of, or because of, right. You know, yeah. I tell, I tell this story, uh, often as well. You know, I have some, some friends that teach the, the, the CrossFit level two, for example, in, in Europe and, and, just it's a great example because if you know anything about those different courses, the level two is the first time you get any feedback on any of your efforts as a coach. And, you know, in order to operate one of these affiliates, you, you just need a level one and it lasts for five years. And after five years, you can either renew your level one or you can kind of try the level two and go up, so to speak. And so, you know, there are a lot of, uh, gym owners in, in Europe right now who are in that stage where for the last five years, they have seen nothing but positive results, right? They're sort of riding this boom. Hundreds of members, they're the mayor of their town. Everybody that they come into contact with gets an instant six pack because of intensity, right? And, and, and they've never considered that their processes, their craft, their approach, their mentality, they're not questioning their assumptions. Uh, because they don't have to, and then they get this this email five years in, and they're they're hearing, well, uh, you have to renew or do this level two, and some number of them are doing this level two, and they get to this place as the the absolute god of fitness in their neighborhood, and someone tells them that they're dog shit at their progression, and they're extremely confused. Like this is earth. They're like, obviously, you don't know anything about me as a coach because I'm the fucking man. Right. Look at my results. Look at my track record. And and this is sort of exposing this sort of result orientation. Uh, and so, you know, how we got here is I was talking about this is common language at, at Deuce is right. At Deuce is that we we are constantly bringing awareness to the fact that our biggest liability is is that we are successful and that we get, you know, affirmations whether it's financial or dms or or whatever the thing is that like man you guys are killing it awesome i love it it's all this positive thing and we have to build in structures in our organization to really look at are we mastering what's inside of our control you know and the the, the quote that i make people write down uh at the the seminar is one that sort of drove our our culture at the university of san diego and the baseball program which is we will not accept in success that which we wouldn't accept in defeat, right? So it's possible to sweep the University of Texas tech uh, and then beat them two out of three the next year and really go back to the drawing board and look at, well, what could we have done better inside of our process, right? Victory, positive outcome over the University of Texas, which is very common for the University of San Diego, just beat the living hell out of those guys. And then just to really go back to the drawing board about how we can be better as an organization. 
<laughs> yeah, I suppose that goes for telling jokes as well, you know? <laughs> That's right. I'll, you're right. I'll listen back to that. <laughs> that yeah, this is very interesting. The, it's the beauty of what I love about sports, right? There is that inherent forces you to go back. You know the Patriots, right? Even though they didn't play their best game in the Super Bowl, they still won. But you sure as shit believe that those champions that understand a, a process approach to their craft will go back to that game, break it down, and maybe after the Super Bowl party, you know, get those those hard old ball coach moments where they fucking rewind 10 times to show your fuck up and mistake despite of the ring. We talked a little bit about it on our last podcast Logan, I mean, do you think that this is just in your observation working with gym owners and isn't it just this is just part of the life cycle, I feel like, for a lot of those folks. Uh, and, but maybe now we're in like a new generation or a new era of micro gym owners entering the space where it is highly saturated in areas. And if you do want to be successful, you you need to understand that you should be evaluating this shit, um, which like for I would say a majority, I don't want to say it. I guess you can't say it with that with confidence, but many, it's a lesson of athletics as well, right? Like I can remember uh, Saturday film days after high school football games where I peaked people. I had <laughs> say state champion 1999, 2000, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, what you couldn't uh, see Logan is he pulled up his left sleeve to show off his barbed wire. <laughs> Oh, too. nice. I got one too, buddy. <laughs> but like, regardless of if you come in, at least for us, when we would go in on Saturdays and we, we were pretty successful, man. I mean, we went, we were, fu- we shut a bunch of people out defensively, but we would go in and everybody got their fucking ass chewed. Now I thought he, our coach did it in, uh, our coaching staff did it in a good way because the head defensive dude would go in there and he just, everyone got fucked, rat fucked. And then position guys would then have their position film and then like, you know, kind of bring everybody back up. Whether it was intentional or not, I don't fucking know. But it was always a mindset of like, yeah, we won, but did our intent match the outcome or did it we succeed in spite of, right? Yeah. Man. And if you have that, mind's like if you're... How do fucking... Like it, it just shocks me that people don't eventually come across this at some point in life, realize how valuable of a reflection tool or analysis this is and look at their, the most mundane task to the most high value task in their life. And they go that no, they don't ask themselves, is this the best way I could be doing this? Is there someone out there that could help me with this and help me get better? Can I increase my capacity somehow? Could I do two things at once, three things at once, you know, and I'm, I guess giving those numbers as just a, kind of something to visualize, but that's how I envision capacity is like being able to handle multiple things in this a sim, same period of time that you could you used to be able to handle one. Right. Yeah. So it's not necessarily uh, in tandem, but I guess getting to the question, bro, um, are people finding this, the value of this exercise earlier in their coach's life cycle? Or is there just, is it always a tipping point where, they realize like, fuck, I'm, I, what I did to get here will no longer get me there. Uh, I think the results will tell us, right? Like the, the system, uh, 
the system doesn't have a preference on your methods or style. You know, the, the system cares about results and outcomes. And that's the reason why you can have a bad process and have success and that can work like right up until it doesn't, you know? And so it, it all sort of works out, especially in any higher performance undertaking. You know, if you, if you, if you're in some sort of business or culture or, or team that isn't demanding like fringe efforts, then yeah, you can work on it. And like, you know, uh, less than best practices for sure. But, um, eventually we're going to come to this thing, whether you hear about it in a seminar or not, you know, it's going to, it's going to slap you in the face kind of thing. And so that's why the, the sort of at the heart of any like development is going to be at this sort of disconfirming information piece, you know, because we need to see what's outside of our view, right? Uh, you know, all of us, I think deep down know that the, the sort of the challenges of the day uh, when they get greater than our ability to manage them is when things start to fall apart, you know, and, and we are all headed in sort of this, this further, more highly complex future, you know, like, like what you're doing right now is, is, as a power athlete, as a company is more complex, requires more capacity than it did two years ago. And the same thing will be true in the future. If you want to sort of move the needle, and, 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 you know, spoiler alert, everybody wants to move the needle. And so we, what we need are, are structures built in place to where we're sort of fit for the task when that future, bigger, harder, more difficult challenge comes, you know, and, and, and high level organizations are going to find that out. But th there's also like a, a winner circle bias here because the organizations that don't figure that out just don't survive. And then you sort of, you just go away. And, and what's scary is that uh, if there's not awareness to that, the story in your head might be, yeah, no, just our athlete was a good run and made a good run for a little while there. And then it's just kind of like faded away and we, we just did different stuff. You know, it was time to do different stuff. Like, is that really the case? Or, or did you guys uh, sort of fail to evolve at the, the pace of what it is that you're trying to accomplish, you know? I think about this all the time with individuals, not even just companies. You know, you don't, no one taps you on the shoulder and, and tells you about the phone calls that you didn't get and the opportunities that didn't come in your email box because of the, what you sort of didn't do in the past, you know, what, what you aren't capable of, you know? And so if your awareness isn't turned on, you might just like look around and be like, man, it's crazy. You just have some people, it's successful, you know, <laughs> you, know you just, you don't have that, that awareness, you know, because it, if you do get the email, you're like, yeah, of course, man, that's sweet. This, these people reached out, they want to work together. It's all, you know, and, and you don't get a, a notification or a, 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 any feedback if those things aren't coming your way. And that's the sort of winner circle bias there um, sort of in, in flesh and blood, you know? And so, how, how that sort of is manifested for us at, at the gym is like, I, I, and no one else can predict the, the future of this thing. Okay. And so we're just going to get so busy in the process of development that 
we we won't even really um, be oriented with the the success or failure right now because we know we need to be bigger and more capable and more evolved a year from now, two years from now, et cetera. You know, and so the, the current us is just not good enough for that that future thing. You know, the beauty in that is if we're so invested in what's inside of our control and the process that it will prepare us not only for the things that we want to accomplish, but the things that we don't even know that are coming, you know? Um, and similarly, like, like for, for you guys, if, if you kind of just showed up to work to just do the thing and not get in trouble and not ruffle any feathers, that would, that would probably work right now. But, but congratulations, like this is the limit of what you guys will be able to accomplish, you know? Um, and so, I, I understand, I empathize with the, the sort of justifications to not go there. You know, it's harder, for sure harder. Uh, but that's your reason then for not growing. And you can have that reason if you want. Yeah, own it. Own it. Um, so it, it's a, it's a, at that point, it's sort of a choice that's like presented. And that's what it sounds like in the summit, you know, it's like, I am a human as well. I'm an emotional human being, just like we all are. I'm just saying that that will uh, leave us in a tendency to play defense and go into protection and stay small. And you all just, and this is me talking to the summit group, like you all just shared with me allegedly that you're here because that's not what you want. So here's this choice. It's harder. I'm saying that the juice is worth the squeeze. Right. I'm, I'm saying that the harder path is, 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 is worth it. And so, yeah, it's like, it's, it's the, the bad news that we all sort of, I think, choose to engage in if you're following any sort of like higher purpose. Are you pulling in any individuals outside of the gym business? You know, folks yeah. running like uh, coffee shops or muffin bakeries? Muffin bakeries for sure. No coffee shops yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a uh, that that is a metric inside like uh, my own evaluation that I use to to evaluate the sort of trajectory of the summit, and that is like how many people in the room are not gym owners. Um, full transparency, it's and this makes sense in terms of like outreach, right? That, in the seminars that are further away from home are more and more gym owner oriented. Right. But the LA one, so it's coming back to LA March 9th and 10th. You know, the last LA one, I would say it was probably like 20% non gym owners. And this one will be maybe as much as 40%. You know, and so people with online businesses, magazines, uh, there was a shoe company uh, last year. Uh, you know, we have uh, a startup in Santa Monica coming this year, and, and that has nothing to do with fitness at all. Right. You know, so internally, that is putting my uh, ability to communicate and the, the, the sort of standalone relevance of the principles to the, to the fire, you know, because... If the thing, in my opinion, a derailed summit would just take a hard left turn into like, so how do you set up the mind body? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
this is not this is not it guys yeah Yeah, i figure i figure that's i mean that seems like the trajectory of this thing you know at it's just it has it has legs outside of twenty one fifteen nine and three two one go you know and uh, you know sign the waiver and get sweaty um, you know as as I evaluate it and you can even pull these principles into you know if you're a family man or even personal life like there is there is a large degree of that that I think that would enrich relationships or friendships or whatever right. Um, man, I, you know, you have a ton, a ton of interesting thoughts, Logan. Have you ever considered writing a book? Wink. Dude. <laughs> you just got like T Ferris segue on me. <laughs> what? That's like high level interview segue. Uh, yeah, that is, that's it, man. Is like going a level beyond and above. You were talking about the like twenty one fifty nine thing, whatever, you know, we all had to go through that. Like at a certain point, like that was the edge. A bunch of people got together and they're like, Oh, insane, like intensity and variance and, and movement selection uh, to drive like new adaptation. This is insane. And then, then we sort of like own that. And, and that's how development works, right? We transcend and include. And then it came into like, Whoa, like relative intensity. Like I can make my people better if I don't, you know, make them do the prescribed weight and the workout takes three times as long. And, and, and then, and then it, it goes beyond that. And it's at a certain point, uh, you know, even you guys as a company who disseminate incredibly valuable and important technical information about not just movement, but, you know, setting standards in terms of program design, et cetera. Uh, even you guys know that, that your greatest challenges and, the challenges of a lot of people that you're, you're dealing with then include this like interpersonal thing. You're talking about a uh, coaching EQ, you know, like you wouldn't talk about it if, if it wasn't an edge for these people, you know? And, and so the, the, the spiral goes forward. And so for me, the summit, yeah, is this thing, this way to connect with leaders, which is like maybe one step above just every coach. I'm talking about some, some principles that, that have, uh, universal application to people working together. And that really pushes me uh, coaching coaches who coach coaches and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but then the book, uh, that you're referencing is like a complete departure from the little biosphere of fitness. And it is like the 10,000 foot view on something as broad as decision-making like, uh, universally applicable um, principles, uh, not even for leaders, for leaders and followers and anybody who is a human being, you know? And so I finally finished this thing. It's called Going Right, a logical justification for pursuing your dreams. And that's kind of like a mouthful on the, the subtitle there. But essentially it is me unequivocally proving to you that the most important decisions in your life have real objective support for pursuing what you really want, your peak expression, your dreams. And and I think a lot of people are going on bad information when it comes to the decision-making model in their lives in all categories, you know, from, 
from what they do as a career craft to their how their lifestyle is set up to their relationships. Um, most people I observe have made this an either or decision where either I do the risky, crazy thing and do what I really want and, and explore who I really could be, or I get smart and I do what's reasonable and I do what is sort of socially reinforced and I give that up to be, uh, you know, uh, safer and avoid some like uncertainty. And uh, that's a broken model that not only reinforces us to like be a diminished version of ourselves, but it, it's just basically cutting our, our, our value proposition to ourselves and our communities exponentially, right? Like you, you just, people are, are, are actively giving up their best selves and saying it's the better decision to make. And so the book sort of proves that wrong so that people now have permission to, to go for it, you know? And that's kind of what we want, you know, like I observe that we all need community. We all need support because as human beings, we are quite resistant to uncertainty. It doesn't feel good. And so you can observe these like little camps of, of people. And uh, there's one camp of, of people who uh, has completely given up their, their truest self. They take, they're, they're working a job that uh, is not challenging them and is, has nothing to do with the alignment of their values. Uh, but you know what? It pays some bills. They are unwilling to explore uh, their relationships at the highest level. And their lifestyle is completely diminished and controlled in a way that is trying to be realistic. And these people all get together and they, they try to make themselves feel better about this. We all do this on some level, which is, you know, we say that it's hard out here, right? And you can't blame us, you know? We got to do what we got to do. And it would be cool to, like, be more or do something else, but, right, our hands are tied. And that's the conversation because you would feel like shit if you were by yourself living in that existence. So you get with other people that are doing it, and you just commiserate on that thing. Uh, except I sort of observe that the people who are really actually going for it, and, and a lot of these people are stereotypically like, you know, coveted. They're looked at, you know, whether they're famous or really successful or really, you know, wealthy or they're, or they're, they're living an unconventional life or whatever the case may be. Those people, if you look at those people, they also have their own community. We're like separate of craft. They're sort of, I mean, it looks like uh, the symposium or, or, or like uh, the Sornex thing, strong. You got these people that like kind of sort of are connected by this one thing, but the, the real binding agent is these people are being vulnerable, living at their edge. And now they're in a community of other people that are doing that. And they're like, oh, thank God, this is crazy, right? We're going for it. But like there's community there as well. And so this book isn't necessarily like about making community in that way, but it's sort of providing the justification for 
you loop, you test, like actually pursuing your peak expression. Because not only do you need that, but I need that. I need you to do that as well. Yeah. And it's been a, it's been a, quite the process, but uh, finally done, and I you know I'm proud of it, and I think it's it's universally relevant. You know, it's it's, a, it's maybe the saddest it's the saddest story, the saddest thing for me to observe is someone who is uh, letting fear uh, perpetuate their sort of um, diminished self, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I sort of had to write this this thing that would basically inject logic, you know, remove the, the emotion from it. And that's, that's, part of, that's part of the driver, right? The, the, it's the emotional part that sort of um, makes us feel attracted to, you know, uh, becoming a teacher or, or making art or, or exploring who our best self could be. Uh, and then that, that journey is just so long that it's going to test your, your ability to show up. And if you don't really have concrete uh, justifications for that, the chances are you're going to quit and you're just going to, you're going to mail it in. And so those who, who, who read the book will, will have some real solid ground to stand on. They actually won't even have a choice anymore. You really won't have one choice. That is to pursue your, your highest self. Yeah, man. And I don't, I bust Tex and John's balls quite a bit because they've never been stuck in the cube, you know, and uh, just kind of like been rattled the cage, rattled the bars. Like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, ah, but I have a mortgage and a car payment and a fucking dog and a girlfriend who likes expensive shit. You know what I mean? So then you get like you go through this yo-yo and pendulum. But dude, looking back, just fucking pulling the ripcord, taking a little bit of risk and now... I, I will fucking tell you 100% logs. I had no systematic fucking objective logical approach to my decision making. Mine was like fucking it was truly Keanu Reeves point break gun in hand airplane fuck fuck jump up fucking plane and go find Swayze. And you found him. I'm right here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so and I you know I've, I've talked to a couple coaches that have come through our our developmental course, right? Uh, the, the methodology course and into our in-person uh, block one evaluation. And you know, they've, they've, kind of, they've sympathized with me and we're a little bit inspired that it's fucking possible to like get out of that, do, just do something. It doesn't have to be a gym owner. You don't have to be a fucking coach, but like there is, there is that other trajectory that doesn't have to be so extreme, but there's something else out there that, you know, I mean, you talk about the peak expression, Logan, but even if you're, you start to trend that way, I would consider that success, man. Like in one of those lanes, whether it's, you know, your profession or your relationships or your community, right? If you can just start to trend, that's the start in my mind, but I don't know. I haven't given that much thought you fucking have for like two years. Well, that's so uh, yes. And let me just sort of like, address what you just said is, is that's actually a, a, a tool 
or tactic that people use to make this thing more irresponsible. It's not extreme. To trend in the direct, just like you're saying, to, to make decisions towards your, your peak self is not extreme. And, and people want to make it that. Like, whoa, bro, what am I going to do? Pull a ripcord and just fucking go for it and, and burn my house down and like set my 401k on fire? It's like, it's not what we're talking about. And, and it's actually a tactic that people use to avoid the responsibility of this thing, right? That's what people do with fitness. Like everyone that you uh, would hope would be affected by, let's say like the fitness thing, like who needs fitness the most? They're the sedentary people who don't move. They're not former athletes. That Their worldview is literally killing them. Those are the people that we want. What do those people think about training like an athlete? Fucking insane, man. It's heavy and psh- you know I mean, I can't really afford to throw out my back. I got to, you know, can't miss work. And I want to be able to pick up my kids. And it's not really edgy like that, right? If you make it crazy and you make it dangerous, you're not responsible for it, right? That, that, that's a, a tool, conscious or subconscious, that people use, right? So when you tell people, like, hey, man, you're literally fucking up, not just for yourself, you're fucking me up by living some bullshit thing that you don't care about. Like, like I need you to be better, right? And so, if, if they make like uh, pursuing what really would extract the most commitment, the deepest work, the, the most resilience out of them, these, these sort of like transferable skills, if doing that thing is insane, then yeah, of course they're not going to do it, right? What I'm telling you is it's not fucking insane. What's insane is pretending that you have some sort of control or certainty or that you're like somehow intelligent by, by literally creating a life where you're completely unremarkable and completely replaceable. And you're going to call that logical, right? Like, let's use your example. You, you know, you, you lived like the cubicle life for a second. And there's a lot of socialized sort of structures there that make that feel safe, right? Like there's great quotes about, you know, your salary in those contexts are, are literally like, the price you pay to look away from what you really want to do or whatever. Uh, Luke, as much as I make fun of you, dude, uh, you are a, you, you become and you are becoming an incredibly capable leader. Uh, someone who has skills that completely transcend fucking squatting with your toes forward or three by five, whatever. You know what I mean? If this whole thing blew up tomorrow and, and power athlete, like, you know, somehow was attacked by aliens and went out of existence. Video dude, of John Wellborn leaked with toes out squatting. That's right. Don't you say that. <laughs> dude, like, uh, you're an extremely captivating, valuable, capable player in other things because hashtag skill transfer, Right. But guess what? Guess who I don't want to hire? And guess who I don't want to talk on a podcast with? And guess who I don't want to fucking be friends with? Is the you that never left. Mm-hmm. Right? I, th- I was really I've thought heard... that was going to text. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I've heard stories of that Luke. He sounds pretty pretty awesome to hang out with. Because uh, I guess it's dark. concentrated energy of six days in the office. <laughs> and then Saturday night, you get to tear down downtown Napierville. No, it was Friday night. And it was epic. And yeah. you still had to go to work on Saturday. Just like bottling up dynamite. Just oh like, just think about, it's a, it's a fun example to do, but just think about uh, 
in the, the specific context of career, because it's probably the easiest lane to think about this in, is 20 years from now, it's you, the one who is exploring your edge, like what you're responsible for, how many perspectives you can hold, the leadership you've had to sort of learn by the fire in your, your, your role here. Uh, 20 years from now, uh, sort of on the market as, a, as an employee or being hired by a startup or starting your own thing or whatever the case may be. And think about how much more fit, capable, qualified uh, of, of an individual you are versus like the version of you that goes on LinkedIn as like the person who was marking time in a sort of semi-protected environment of this like corporate deal. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, and when you look at it that way, like it's not even an argument. Oh, for, um, well, first off, thanks for all the kind words. And I'm curious what, like how you make fun of me. Cause I mean, who are you talking to about me first off? Oh, everyone. Uh, what? What? I, know this. I usually tag you. I feel like you and Callie and Tex might have a side chat that I don't know about. And it's fucking what? cat chat. And it, I have FOMO already. Um, it's just cat. But gifts. number two, you know, also to acknowledge, because I also have friends that like, so uh, that was just not an environment where I knew I could thrive. Like in, in, it was as much my fault as it was the environments, quote unquote, because I have really, really close friends like that thrive in that environment. And, and they know like what, just whatever system that is meshes with who they are. And, uh, and they do great things and they do great things for the people that work for them. You know what I mean? And there's like this reciprocity in there, but that just wasn't, it turned out it wasn't me or I didn't want it to be, or I wasn't ready to be. But, uh, I do feel, you know, after making that shift that it was in the right trajectory because I'm do have satisfaction, fulfillment, community relationships that, uh, challenge me. And I feel like I'm growing and thriving. Right. And, uh, increasing capacity and all that. So like, I guess the, the, that's the disclaimer to folks out there listening who may be in that desk job. And like, this guy's a fucking asshole. What are these two hippies talking about? Like get a job, you know? But at the same time, uh, you know, I don't know. It's different platforms for different people, man. And, uh, yeah. this isn't bash on that. Yeah, for sure. No. I just wanted to be clear. We, we, not bash on that, but the, the participant, or in this case, like the listener, only the listener would know. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, in most cases, uh, I just find that it would be a really insane coincidence that the, the highest expression version of you uh, on this planet would be one that is sort of handed down to you externally from some some company, some role, something, whatever. And there are ways to like work at all different kinds of places and to be in all different kinds of uh, relationships or to have all different types of lifestyle expressions and be operating at your edge as a highly um, capable, developed, valuable, fulfilled person. Uh, to me, I just see a lot of people justifying away from that because we know it's it's, it's not really going to be uh, the line is not going to be long for the hardest most challenging tasks it's just not right and so um i'm interested in, in the utility of that 
you know, like what, what is of, of specific tangible value? Uh, and there are droves of people, like countless people who are weaving a really intricate story as to why they are exempt from looking in that mirror. And, and, and the, the good news is, this isn't like a doom and gloom thing, the good news is there are very wonderful, specific advantages to looking in the mirror and going for it. And, and that is anywhere in any job, in any expression. What do you got, McQuilkin? Growth environments. You know, we, we talk about growth mindset and we put a lot on the individual, but how important are those growth environments, right? Sport, you list sport warfare, business, yeah, the, the, the common thread there is, is feedback. You know, we can't be in a vacuum. And, and, and I keep, I use that word feedback a lot. So like, you know, anybody who's listening has heard me say literally anything else is going, oh, feedback guys talking about feedback again. But I mean, let's, let's talk less, um, sort of less specific uh, than like negative feedback, you know, or like any Carol Dweck drama, right? Let's talk about just like feedback in general. The reason for the the lines being drawn on the football field and the, and the rules being decided is it creates context for the behaviors in the thing, right? Like what does athleticism mean on a on a field with no lines and no rules? You know, it, it's just hypothetical at that point. Uh, you know, I. I, I I've tried to think about the example of, you know, the carbon copy of Muhammad Ali, same height, same, you know, mannerisms, same speed, same, same skill set, same power. Uh, you know, if he never fights, we can't say he's the greatest of all time. And if it's the same person, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's even less about the record, you know, I mean, the record's part of that feedback loop, but, we need to put the thing in action and receive that, that feedback, you know, and, and the, it's, it's no coincidence that the environments where the feedback comes with like the highest consequences, you know, and I do like consequences in air quotes uh, because, you know, like in warfare, those are like real consequences. And then in business, they're like, it's like a game, you know, the consequences aren't as big, it's just money or, 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 you know, jobs or something like that, but they allow us to change our behavior, alter our behavior because it, it provides a, a goal or a vision or, you know, like your boy Erickson talks about uh, a mental representation, you know, and it's from the deviation fr from that mental representation that we can even be informed as to what next, you know, because if you if you just forego the mental representation part, then we're just all fucking hanging around uh, with with no real information to go on. Mm -hmm. and, and those I, environments are growth environments by nature. And, and then, but that feedback. So Logan, that feedback, you know, that you can that come internally. Like, is it is it effective for you, for an individual? I guess you'd have to first have a mental representation and an outcome in a path that you intend to take to get there, right? And then you'd have to go for it. And then you'd have to have the courage to look back and be honest with yourself about how that went, 
right? And that can get you somewhere, not nearly as much as like what Anders would say is like get a coach or get a, a teacher or a mentor, but not everybody has access to that. Is there, is there like a self feedback toolkit? Oh, totally. Well, I mean, his work, I mean, of course coach, like uh, let's say good coach is better than not having a coach. Right. And, and a, that's a quality recommendation. But if you look at his work, it's an observation of behaviors that are already out there. You know, it's not like the best people in the world read his book and then started doing his thing. Right. And so there are way too many examples of that process being fully internal, right? Like uh, pick your favorite athlete. Uh, if you sat them down and gave them the deliberate pack practice spiel, uh, they would probably recognize things they're already doing, but they just didn't have names and processes for, you know, like I remember being, uh, you know, in my backyard as a kid for years, taking swings off the tee and what was happening in that internal process. I mean, there's no other person standing there. Uh, sometimes maybe there's like a video camera set up or whatever, but like what was literally happening on each of those efforts and no one taught me this, like this athlete do this all over the world, musician do this all over the world, is you're attempting to do something. In that case, it's like put a quality swing on the thing. Well, in my little, you know, 12, 13 year old head, I had an idea about what a quality swing was. And then you attempt it, and then you realize, well, how did I, how do I feel about that? Mm -hmm. Was it, what, was it on par with what I was trying to do? Or was there some sort of deviation? And then, what you, what you start to see is that the best in the world are very in touch with their own feedback process, right? It's not like someone standing there being like, I'm going to give you immediate informative feedback in this form because we have this well-organized drill. No, it, it fell off or it didn't sound right or the outcome, the trajectory of the ball, the spin didn't look right. And these are all points of information, feedback from us to to guide our behavior in the future. And that is pre-reading uh, Erickson, that's pre-having names for all this. That, that's an internal process that is sort of motivated by uh, the desire for, for best possible outcomes, you know? And so um, surely it can come internal. We have the benefit though of, of it arriving in our awareness from externally as well, right? So if someone just has no awareness to this process, we can say, hey, guess what? There's an there's a ideal way to practice, and here's what it looks like, and we can turn up the dials or not. But, yeah, surely that's a fully sustainable internal process, in my opinion, because I, I've lived it. Why the fuck don't people do it? Mm. Well, well, here's my theory, and I'm really fucking up right now because this is what I think the next book will be about as I vomit in my mouth when I say that um, is uh, it just pays regardless of your uh, opinion on the matter based on what all three of us know um, on our past conversations and what you've studied and, and, and whatnot. Uh, there is a certain level of dissatisfaction with high level undertakings, right? Use Erickson's model. There's a mental representation. You go to replicate it. You see a deviation from that standard or that, that mental representation. 
And that deviation, if you really care about what you're doing, is is internalized as dissatisfaction. That's that's the driver for taking another rep and wanting it to be better, right? And so there are uh, a certain population of the pop uh, of like people who are going for it, the population of people who are who are wanting positive outcomes that are completely derailed by that dissatisfaction. See, I'm not perfect, fuck, uh, right? And, and they think that that dissatisfaction is an indicator to them that they are not fit for this. They're not the type of person that mm-hmm. would be successful at this because they think that successful people have a mental representation. They try something, obviously nail it, don't experience dissatisfaction and fuck since they experienced that that i'm not them therefore i'm getting information that maybe i shouldn't be doing this whereas all the people that you have their you know their their baseball card or their you know picture on on your your wall as a kid because they're your favorite athlete you don't realize that they are experiencing perpetual dissatisfaction at different levels in everything that they're doing Right. And rather than it derailing them, it's the information that they're using to get on the poster that's on your freaking wall, you know? And so in my opinion, that's sort of uh, one of the like key secret bits to, to high level success is your relationship with dissatisfaction, right? Like your ability to vulnerably and painfully put yourself out there and try your best fail and use that failure. I mean, I'm not telling you to be a robot and be non-emotional, but we just know in like a sort of stoic black and white, you know, mathematical view that if that dissatisfaction, your failure to sort of meet this, this standard or mental representation puts you on a downward spiral to where you're a worse athlete on the next rep or the next play, like, awesome, I guess, like, congratulations, but that doesn't sound very useful in terms of, like, scoring points and winning ball games. Uh, if you can use that dissatisfaction to inform a better next effort, then you're just better than the other option at that point. You're better off, you know? And so um, I understand why this dissatisfaction derails people, right, and sends them in, in a direction that is unhelpful or leads them to quit or, or whatever. But I, it just seems that as painful as it might be, this dissatisfaction and your relationship with it is sort of the key. It's going to be there. hundred percent, man. And it doesn't, I mean, you'd mentioned failure, but it just, even when outcome doesn't match intent or you don't exactly match that visual representation. Um, I can think of a, a floating shelf I recently installed in my office that perfectly is a perfect example of this where I had a vision and it fucking definitely does not match. But so the other two for the record are fucking tight. I I haven't seen them yet. Um, But it's important that we channel that emotion or that energy that comes from that dissatisfaction or the missed swing or the missed pitch right and we do have a lot of people out there that channel that energy towards uh, another a person a coach right the coach changed my pitch 
So it's his, their fault, whoever the coach is. Or, Luke, your walls, you could blame the the builders. No, I fucking did, though. Yeah, it's definitely the builder's fault. So, Logan, here's the deal, man. I had this perfectly milled piece of wood that I milled myself. And the fucking wall I went to go hanging on, it's not straight. It's concave. Yeah, wasn't flush. Yeah, not man, my fault. There and that 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 is completely outside of your control, and I think you should blame just about everybody else for it. Well, I burned the house down, <laughs> 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 and I went and fucking broke into the builder's car, and you know, uh, had a Cleveland or uh, a soup kitchen. My bros, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past uh, 2008 Luke Summers to actually do that, but uh, <laughs> but no, but Luke, you took a, a growth approach and thought up a few different solutions for that problem. And I, I know you're not giving up on it, but there's a lot of well, people that would just say, fuck that shelf. <laughs> I did say that though. So but you got to get out there. You got to find that fucking, fucking dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a, a funny example, of course, but, but the, the principle is still true, which is like, what do you get by, let's say in this case, blaming the, the crooked wall? Well, you get to feel as if this thing is not your fault, right? You get, you get, yeah, you you get, get a story. Your, yourself in that way. Uh, what you don't get is a better fucking shell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't get is how you could, like, imagine the version of you that's like, Oh man, I blew it. I didn't account for in my processes, which are part of the things that are inside of my control, uh, measuring and hedging for crooked walls. Yeah. Right. And then, so now you're just this prideful guy who's a little bit less fit to hang doper shelves in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the cool thing with this framework is it, it, um, it checks out as far as you want to go as, shippy dippy as you want to go uh because literally there's nothing outside of yourself that you have control over right and so it just really pays on a performance level and even like a spiritual level to to look within in all these these cases right like what like how uh might i be wrong about this egotistical view of this crooked shell, you know? And, and, and that's like growth fixed mindset stuff as well. It was funny, uh, halfway through the seminar in, in, in Sydney, uh, one of the participants was like, hey, did you see the golf, the PGA tour, whatever match uh, yesterday? And I was like, of course not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of Dweck's archetypes of the fixed mindset, I believe, Saul Garcia, if I'm correct. Yeah. We can Google it after to double check. Uh, you know, he's like the golf uh, example, just the way that McEnroe was the tennis example of the fixed mindset. He was ejected, disqualified, by how you said it. He was disqualified for this insane outburst where uh, he's doing the crooked wall thing, basically. He ended up in the bunker to find his ball inside of a footprint of someone else that wasn't, it wasn't raked up basically. And so he's approaching this shot upset, like visibly upset and complaining about this thing, which is outside of himself. 
And what it did was made him a worse golfer. He makes a poor shot and then completely in Spanish motherfucks at the top of his lungs, anyone and anything in this area. And he like starts, he goes full Adam Sandler, like hacking away at the bunker and, and uh, he gets run out of there. And it's sort of like, congratulations. Like, I guess it's helpful for you to have like a reason for your failure outside of yourself. But uh, here are the results you got, you know, and, and the, the question or the sort of thing that we'll never know is how good of a golfer could a guy like that be if he had this growth mindset perspective, you know? Well, let the record show 34 professional wins for Sergio Garcia. I don't know how many tries, but uh, he's apologized for his outburst, apparently, according to the Google. I didn't break the rake. It was yeah. simply testing its durability, and since it's made of wood, I, I threw it in the woods. But it should be with its family. We got anything else? Yeah, man, we can continue to Logs. to dive in. Dude, well, I'm going to just sidebar I know. about my my own personal desires. Uh, May, May Day, bro, May 1. I'm in your hood, man. I'm fucking kicking rocks out of Texas. I'm coming to SoCal. You're here. Are you are you around? I'm here. Let's make a memory. You know, that's weird because 2016 Logan didn't use a calendar that, it, like, his only calendar was that day. Now you're well, looking into the future? I'm saying I'm here, but I don't really know that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knows. Um, but, yeah, I'm right. So how long are you here? Uh, through the weekend, man. So I'm there... Which what's the first? Is it a Wednesday? I think Wednesday night I get in. I'm there Thursday, Friday. Have obligations Saturday. That could yeah, turn Wednesday into shenanigans. One. Not sure what Sunday holds. Cinco de Mayo. Shit. That's oh, wow. probably going to be debaucherous. Uh, and then fly out Monday morning. So maybe we link up. I don't know Thursday or Friday. Are you still like? Uh, or you got a job? I would love that. No, I'm, I generally have no responsibilities. Uh, so, isn't it? It's exhausting to figure out how to not have a real job, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Well, as the you know, as the future becomes present, which is, I mean, a universal truth for most of us, uh, we'll we'll reengage on what that could look like. Dude, I'm pumped. I'll uh, I'll dial you in on. Uh, the hipster ways, and uh, we will we'll do it up Venice style. Uh, perfect. I'll tuck my T-shirt in, head out your way. What's your uh, <laughs> flat-rimmed cowboy hat situation? I don't what know do you what call you call the, those what do you hats. What do you call those hats, Logs? John loves that thing. I'm like, he's going <laughs> at it on me. Uh, yeah, I got one of those. What's it called, though? Like, what's that? What's it called? Just a bucket? You call that a bucket? I don't know. It's called a hat. No, that does that style of hat doesn't have a fucking like name. Your Boy Scout captain wore it. Save it. Literally like save. that's a ranger. <laughs> I think it's a ranger hat. Yeah, ranger bucket. <laughs> like uh what's that bear? The Berenstein bear that prevents forest fires? Smokey. Smokey the bear wears one. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. I'll let you wear one, Luke. How about that? Dude, I'll fucking look so good in it. I'm nervous that I might just want to walk away with one, and that I'll be the only fucking guy in Texas with a a, a, a ranger bucket. Well, you're going to have to change your headphone wearing mm. when you wear that hat during the pod. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Should I grow a mustache or something? What should I do? Like, what else do I need to get ready? Oh, Hipster Playbook? Is that your next book, Logan? Hipster Playbook, yeah. The, the 13 simple steps to becoming the best hipster you can. Mm. I like how you, like, you build that context <laughs> that it's the individual's best hipster because the best hipster has already been established. And I think you know, <laughs> we know who that is. That is, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't strung this sentence together in over a year. The king of social media, oh my, my pal Logs. Not even true anymore. <laughs> what? You guys are killing the socials. Oh man. You know, we just, it's a fucking team effort. You know, I gave you that whole cachet of, uh, be the hammer videos and i feel like we haven't tapped into that at all i know there's there's a lot more out there and i do got to thank power athlete nation because a lot of like it's become content that our followers are like oh power athletes gonna love this shit you know and then next thing you know it's a dog just torpedoing a fucking lady on a couch and everybody loves it looks like a bastard supply you with the thing you yeah know? it's true athleticism really and it's smart <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of real sports in there, a lot of dogs. I, have we yeah, real baseball? sports, dogs, and then women's basketball. That's a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, female basketball players, that was a joke. That was a joke. Except for high school female basketball players. That's a joke. Um, that's also a joke, people. Jeez, so sensitive, <laughs> so sensitive. What? Uh, so, Logan, okay, so you got, do you have any more, um, any more seminars coming up? So you got uh, one in LA. The summit's coming March uh, 9th and 10th. And then in September, I will be in Scottsdale and then Portugal, which is an odd thing to say in the same mm-hmm. sentence. Uh, those are summits as well. Where, uh, where in Scottsdale? Uh, PHX, CrossFit mm-hmm. PHX. You know, Coach Durs. Uh, he's a oh, yep, that was podcast guy. Fourth, yeah, to last mm-hmm. for us. No, Zanis. Zanis was there for a bit, right? Or is he still there? Or? Uh, well, Zanis. No, he was helping out. At oh, the gym. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, that's fun. Yeah, we got some buddies down in Scottsdale. I got to get down and see fucking Doctor Tom, bro. Cosenta. I think we all do. Yeah, the dude at Cosenta. Are you? You? Yeah, you. You're aware of old Tom Incladon? He was at the symposium a couple of years back when you were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's. he's- a- is he curing cancer yet? What's going on? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, actually. So um, collaborated and found a dude. I don't know. Maybe there's some promise. I um, Coincidentally, could be some serious strides forward for uh, for young kids with neuroblastoma. Like oh, all wow. things are trending super, super positive, but like it's still in like this very weird state that medicine gets into where a very cheap solution enters the market and like the medicine mafia kind of like assembles and, sure. and kind of extinguishes some stuff. So it's, it's kind of some crazy stuff. Um, I mean, that's, that's all I really know about it, but he's fucking, he is a savage dude. Uh, well, we have a few folks out in that way. I'll, we'll have to let them know that you're going out there. Oh, maybe cool. they'll, yeah, maybe. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Tom is a guy that I really admire. And then, the like conspiracy theorist to me is like, dude, that guy like has like a sudden, you know what I mean? Accident. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like Dr. Tom, you know, fell down some stairs and yeah. uh, you know, 
was dismembered on from a railing or something. Next thing you know, or fucking freak car accident. Believe me, we 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 spin those theories up as well, man. He's a interesting cat. We're at an hour forty five minutes, you guys. That's awesome. I have a, a new thing coming out as well. Talk, uh, yeah. Go. Let's hear it. So, you know, coaches prep. 101 online is cranking, you know, a couple hundred coaches on there. Um, but the sort of checking of the box on the business side of things is, uh, is, is difficult for a lot of passionate coaches uh, in this sort of gym space who got into it because they love movement and can change people's lives with a barbell. Uh, but you know, I think we all want to see those types of people have success in business, uh, not necessarily just because uh, money, but because that means more coaches can affect the change in the world uh, longer. And so Business Prep 101 is like a 13-week course online. And uh, it'll sort of, whether someone's starting a new business or they have one already and they want to sort of like, home through and see uh, where we're at in terms of, you know, from the financial structure of the business to building teams, to pricing, to uh, culture, to marketing. Uh, it's a cool like deep dive or expedited deep dive in how to run your business. So, um, you know, the classic example of like, I, don't know business. I'm just a really good coach. Doesn't have to be a limiting factor anymore. So uh, that'll be ready probably by the time this comes out. So uh, it's a cool online course. And is at. that tailored towards like the aspiring gym owner, or could somebody, let's say, who's had this dream of starting a a taco box subscription, where every week an individual would subscribe and get a new taco recipe shipped to their front doorstep? Well, that would then eventually scale into burrito box and nacho box. That's a great model that you have there. I'm, it's not, it might, it might not be me. I'm just saying. <laughs> to specifically answer your question, uh, it's like the summit in that it is perfectly appropriate for a gym owner, but the conversation is uh, non-specific and pigeonholed in that way. Mm -hmm. Essentially, what happens is each week there's a lecture, some reading material, a case study that all the case studies are non-fitness related case studies, and then an assignment to to uh, apply the sort of concept of the week. And it is universally uh, presented universal, like in a universal way, uh, to to have relevance beyond gyms. Uh, of nice. course. Extra helpful for those folks because um, I'm the one delivering the message, and there are some examples. For example, like our whole business plan is in there, so you can just steal that and, and sort of check their numbers, kind of thing. Uh, but it's universal principles. That's not just for gym owners. Nice. So, I, yeah, I got to push. Sounds like your made-to-order balloon animal business could still be a thing. Yeah, well, I got big enough storage in my garage. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to push that to, I guess, a lot of the strength coaches fortunate to speak with at all these different conferences. 
and they're running into, they have the passion, but they're not making ends meet on a university salary. So they, I think they could do better by themselves to understanding, I guess, the business world, right? Understand the university is a business as well and how they can, one, defend themselves against that or put them in a position to get more out of the schools or demonstrate their value beyond, you know, the, the performance and maybe start some side hustles. That's yeah, definitely, um, plaguing the industry. A lot of coaches fall out and forced into a cubicle or a job they don't appreciate because they couldn't afford to be a coach anymore. Love the side hustle text. You know, Oh, I, yeah. Think about the, the things that, if you're anything like me, I think we all agree. Like the things that we like the least about the fitness industry, if, if we want to stay in that lane, the, the things that I like the least about it is when the bullshit gets rewarded, right? You guys are in business of battling bullshit, right? And so we would like to just, I think, conceptually live in a place where the best coaches with the most meaningful, effective things to say in the world would be rewarded for that. And I think what we see is a lot of the best coaches, unfortunately, are not heard or not able to sustain their their business or practice or um, ability to, to affect the world in that way. Meanwhile, there are people who are far less qualified, far less impactful, who are making a, a living wage slanging some some craziness on the internet. You know, so uh, in, in a very basic um, worldview of this thing, I think we all want the best in the game to be rewarded in that way. You know, the, 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 the days of like the prideful genius coach who is like a martyr to the game and like is poor and like piecing it together uh, should be over. You know, we, we should be in a position where the best can rise to the top and that, uh, you know, Insta influencers who are slaying weird fitness aren't the ones who are making money and, and having viable businesses while quality coaches are suffering. So yeah. how are we going to do that? Is that, that's what your course is going to do? Guaranteed? Uh, absolutely. Because if you can, uh, if you can support yourself with your craft mastery of, of being a coach, then you get to be that, you know? But if you're this disgruntled, angry guy or gal who can help a lot of people, but, you know, has to close their business or can't expand or whatever, has to hustle 100 hours a week to pay the bills, that, that's worse for everybody, you know? 100%. And, and a lot of people, uh, I think due to ignorance, are going to chalk up the fact that business isn't their thing as, like, an explanation for their own destruction or their own overworked, underpaid, dissatisfied, you know, expression. And fuck, it's not like we have this like surplus of quality coaches out there, you know. So we need to put these people in a position to have success. And the more I look around this industry, uh, the more I realize how much people that you think would be doing well are really suffering and piecing it together. You know, 
there are so many like aspiring young coaches that are like looking up to someone who's like famous in the fitness realm and they don't realize that these people are like barely scraping it along and it's this struggle bus and it shouldn't be that way you know it just shouldn't like no longer should we like take pride in our our business like ignorance and and the struggle like if you're world class you should be able to build uh, sort of a sustainable world class income business thing that can grow you know it's a bummer if, if we're not living in that type of space preach preach on boys another lovely chat here logs we did it so mm-hmm. good to see your faces likewise got to get out there to texas and uh, move some weights with y'all do you yeah, so. um do you have any opportunities to to head out this way i don't have anything scheduled but uh mm-hmm. there are airplanes what there's time you know it can happen it could well maybe we create an opportunity what could we do what could we do well we can do anything with Logan. Mm-hmm. What could we do? Well, I mean, we got enough context that we give the... We can find some speaking engagements. Should we do a celebrity fitness baseball game? I'll tell you what we can do. I think we need a, a D-list celebrity fitness baseball game, and we'll invite one A-lister. How awkward would it be? You don't have be? to invite me. I'm here. Um, <laughs> dude, we got to... Hang on, what? Go ahead. You. Okay, if we had that... And all this shit you guys talk about baseball, how brutally unathletic you guys would look on that field. Oh my God. Weird. Like, how do we explain that? How would we explain just what we would see out there? Aren't you a catcher? You just sit there behind the plate and close your eyes and put your fucking hand up. Pure wizardry back there. Dude, I want to see you on the hot corner. Put me wherever you need. I want to see you in the batter's box come within a country mile of anything. <laughs> Dude, I got to be honest with you. I rip dingers. Softball dingers. That, hang on. That's a detail. I will fucking <laughs> rip a dinger. Now, here's I'll t- I will tell you what I am not. I am not. And I can, like, I can decent infielder. Pretty, oh, you're no, you're great in softball, but dude. You put me in the outfield, I'm, I'm lost out there, dude. I don't know how those guys do it. I'll be honest with you, it's insane. Well, it's athleticism, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it if you got time. But <laughs> oh, we're running out of time here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> D list celebrity fitness baseball. Who else would be on that? Who else would we call? Could you imagine Callie Hinsman swinging a fucking baseball bat? That fucking you would probably be good. You think so? Yeah, she's generally better than the both of you and virtually. Oh, my goodness gracious. There's a side check on with Callie, isn't there? All right, look, we need to redo the deuce challenge because, one, the final event, I was put put uphill. That's a disadvantage. (laughs) Is this your equivalent of the crooked wall deal? Take some (laughs) bullshit, bro. Dude. It was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was pretty slick out there. This w- was clearly former gar- garage. I was on like an oil patch that was left over <laughs> and uncleaned from 
Well, or maybe I was stepped in some yoke from Luke's dropping the well, long ball egg challenge. For our listeners out there, uh, Deuce Jim and Logan had a content series. I'm not sure if you are still running it. I haven't seen one pop up, but it was like fitness. Fit- yeah, like seven episodes or something. What was it called again? Deuce. Just it was just like called Deuce. Yeah, so it was a game of fitness horse, yeah, right? right? Where you would be presented with five challenges. And the lose mono a mono more than five because we had to. You know, oh yeah, like, I guess a seer up to ten mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever it would be or not. You had you were presented with these challenge challenges and you were to fitness off right. Um, you know, an example of like previous episodes could have been like most burpees in thirty seconds, and if I got fifty and Tex got thirty eight, he would get the D. <laughs> <laughs> But in Induce. classic power athlete fashion, we have grown out of fitness, and we just brought our own rule book. And, and our yeah, we made were... our events as ridiculous <laughs> as possible. Egg peeling, hard boiled egg peeling, uh, hard hard boiled egg peeling for time. Mm-hmm. Hard boiled uh, egg head smash roulette. Oh yeah. Well, before we did that, it was hard boiled egg. The ones that we peeled, you had to eat three in a handstand. In a handstand push up. Yeah, you'd be no hand assisted. I I won that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, One arm bench press, which, fuck, dude, I was a shoe in for that. And then you made me laugh. (laughs) Not my problem. Uh, You're you're good at that. Debacle. And then a cat. uh, Yeah, we we don't talk about that. But then we did one arm (laughs) calf raises. If we go back to the tape, also, clearly. That yeah, was a that, rep. That was a hard standard to judge there. Like, you know, what do we, what's a lockout in the cap raise? You know what I mean? Like, I just felt, I you thought, know, referee, I will admittedly say, I haven't seen a poor cap raise lockout before. <laughs> and it was just surprising. <laughs> you know? Back to the tape. I threw the red flag, but Luke, you did not have the technology, Logan. <laughs> I took, I took it at what, 405 1RM? Uh, I I don't remember. I, I got to watch it again. I haven't watched it in two years. Yeah, I w- if I were you, I wouldn't either. Jesus, oh that performance. And then tug of war. I think we had right. Yeah. Well, the uh, long. My favorite was the egg toss. So this was that was my long ball, long shot for CrossFit Games mm-hmm. for a partner egg toss, or, mm-hmm. and to see how far like a team could go. Mm-hmm. So we just threw it into our deuce game because mm-hmm. it was never going to the CrossFit Games. Yeah. No. And the best was uh, the fucking. The egg smash roulette, man. Like I saw that. <laughs> Who did that? Conan or like Kim uh, or something? I think we it was Fallon, Fallon and Brad Cooper. Yeah, where you fucking have like a carton of eggs, half are hard boiled, half are not, and then you have to smash them on your head. Man, that was the best. Can't believe that it came to life. I won that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, what would someone Google if someone's listening to this and like, oh, I got to see this ridiculousness? What do they Google to find that? You go to the uh, Deuce YouTube page, and then there's it's like category. There's yeah, the playlist. Categories. Yeah, there'll be like a whole category of the show dudes. Yeah. There's some other good ones too. I mean, people doing like actual things instead of like feats of ridiculousness like McQuoken and I. I mean, the idea was that there's like a slight touch of fitness in most of the shenanigans. So you guys are on the... It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, maybe we pull it up after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <sighs> all right let's call it yeah we've got things to do people to see that type of thing i know you do too logan maybe maybe not maybe you had just taken a two-day vacation 
we're in it. We're back in. We're back in the fight. Dude, as always, thanks for the chat. I'm excited to see you in a couple months, I guess. And um, when's the book drop? So the uh, printing process is underway. So I'll have a yeah. pre-order link, hopefully by the time this comes out, that I can get you in the show notes. Perfect. Um, well, keep us posted and always happy to help pump your stuff, man. Uh, Tex, it was good talking to you as well. I guess I'll talk to you in about one minute for the next six hours. Okay. And Logan, I'll see you when I see you, brother. Stay in touch. Bye. We miss you. Thank you. Miss Bye. you guys. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. If you are still reeling from that conversation, I encourage you to look for Logan's book on Amazon. Again, the title is Going Right, A Logical Justification for Pursuing Your Dreams. A link to that is in our show notes, along with the Deuce YouTube video where you can watch the fellows perform ridiculous feats of strength and athleticism, all in quotation marks, and they basically look like assholes. Until next time, bye!